Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Museum Talk. I'm your host, Ava, and with me today is Dr. Elena Gonzalez. Dr. Gonzalez is a scholar, curator, and author of the book, Exhibitions for Social Justice, which looks at the role of curating for social justice in American and European institutions. She has also served as a curator for the National Museum of Mexican Art in Chicago, and has held teaching roles at Brown University and Northwestern University. So hello, Dr. Gonzalez. Thank you for being with me today. Um, to start us off, can you just tell me a little bit more about your book, Exhibitions for Social Justice? Of course, and thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Um, so my book, <clears throat> excuse me, is all about the ways that we can use the space inside the gallery to work for social justice. That is to say, to work for the equitable distribution of risks and rewards in society. And um, I look at a few different large clusters of tactics for doing this, um, building building empathy between individuals and subjects and exhibitions, and then parlaying that into solidarity um, among groups, uh, helping visitors to create longstanding memories that then in turn they can draw upon to actually take action in their everyday lives, actually inspiring visitors to take action um, whether it be before, during, after, or even long after an exhibition is closed. And then um, last but definitely not least, how do we change the institutional culture and the framework within which um, all of this museum, all this curatorial work is taking place so that we actually can do the best work that we can. So how do we um, make our institutions more welcoming, more inclusive, um, more multivocal and and sort of what are the structures there. And what made you interested in this area of research? How did you get into it um, and kind of find your way to this path? Yeah, well, I've always loved museums very much. Um, I'm not one of those people who wants to burn all the museums to the ground, even though I am under my sweater wearing my museums are not neutral t-shirt. <laughs> um, I grew up going to museums here in Chicago where I grew up and I um, I really always wanted to work in a museum, but I didn't really see, for a long time, I didn't see the, the way that that would translate into doing like the best work in the world that I could. And as I learned more and started to think about the potential for exhibitions to serve as a vehicle mm -hmm. for social justice work, I realized that maybe I could like realize this dream of doing the best work that I could in the world and also working in a museum at the same time. And that's sort of, um, that's sort of where that came from. I first really um, dug into museum research as a high schooler doing a project for the Chicago Metro History Fair on the history of the Field Museum. Mm -hmm. And uh, I fell in love with that kind of research pretty quick. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's definitely what I'm looking to do. I am the same as you. I grew up going to museums. I love art museums, but I do have my my issues with them. Um, so just, yeah. I guess just trying to figure out a way to make these institutions better. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about your experiences serving as a curator for the National Museum of Mexican Art? And um, when you were doing curating, like what did you want to do specifically in your shows to make sure visitors were having um, a positive experience and taking away um, just kind of the message that you were you were attempting to portray. Yeah, so my first ever curatorial project was the project that I did for the NMMA. And I, I did one curatorial project for them. Um, and that was 
really a very special experience for me for a couple of reasons. One was that the director of visual arts and the lead curator there, Cesario Moreno, really taught me how to do curatorial work. Um, I'm very grateful for that. It was um, part of a larger project called the African Presence in Mexico. Um, so this large project was telling the story of 400 years of history that had essentially been swept under the rug and concealed for these racist reasons. Um, and we had a, a big um, steering committee for the project that was half um, mostly Mexican staff members and half African-American leaders from around the cultural sector um, in the area. And this group asked specifically that we curate a second show and ultimately a third show, although I didn't work on that one um, as much, but but that we curate a second show that had to do with the relationships between Mexicans and African-Americans in the United States and between African-Americans and the country of Mexico. And so that was the job that I took on. And um, it was, it, I took it very seriously. It was a time when these groups were really being pitted against one another around the country. And we saw the potential to sort of counter that with a narrative about collaboration, which has really been like long-term over, over the long history of the last, you know, almost 200 years. Um, and so one of the things that I did was I, I really started from that point, right? Like how can we bring these groups together and how can we illustrate this shared history that is productive and helpful? How can this exhibition do real helpful work? And so I, I um, started looking for stories that would help with that. And, you know, I found a number of them, one of which was about the, Af the Underground Railroad going to Mexico during the, the 35 years sort of generation or so where Mexico was a free country and the United States was not, um, which makes a lot of natural sense when you think about it. Uh, if you're closer to the Mexican border and that's a free space, yeah. why would it not go south, you know? But it's something a lot of people don't know about. And um, I also talked about people supporting each other's resistance movements and um, sort of recognizing their shared history in various ways. I talked about political participation, you know, the Rainbow Coalition in Chicago and, um, and really collaborations across the country. Uh, at that time, the, the mayor of LA was being elected with a shared coalition as well. So, and, and actually I was fortunate enough to learn much later on, many years later uh, that there was a researcher, a sociologist whose work had been influenced by this project in a positive way. And I was really, really excited to hear that because those long-term stories are really hard to come by. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's that's really cool. It's, it's interesting as I've been doing this project, talking to different people and um, just talking about the mechanisms uh, that art museums employ um, that visitors may not always realize uphold certain um, like racist views, sexist views, uh, views that may, or things that may seem ex exclusionary towards certain groups and not. Um, so it is just interesting. It's exciting to hear that there are people who are working and trying to actually make these exhibitions for everyone and listen to the people who will be like receiving this information. Um, and like, since you did work in, a, in, since you have worked in an art museum, what in your opinion are, basically what are museums doing wrong right now in regards to diversity and inclusion? Like 
they seem to keep getting it wrong. And just what is, how, how is that happening? Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, well, that is a big question. And um, I'm, I did a lot of brainstorming uh, before this talk mm -hmm. because I wanted to kind of, um, you know, pin down some of these issues. Um, let's see here. I'm just, I'm going back over because that's, it's, it's so, it's very big. Um, <laughs> it is very big. I think that in a nutshell, mm -hmm. um, there is, you know, you asked, you asked about some of the roots of the problems in our history mm -hmm. and um, I think that's really where, where that conversation needs to go because mm -hmm. basically we have this art history that is kind of racist at its core yeah. that has, that features, you know, white, wealthy male voices, mm -hmm. uh, that who have decided what mattered and who have valued everything according to their own interests over the long course of history and you know white standards of beauty that have been enshrined at the highest levels through this process white art history classes and textbooks uh, and that all has sort of funneled into creating these white centric museums and I should say it's not just about race, right? Like there are many other directions in which prejudice takes place and is visible inside of the art museum as an mm -hmm. institution. Um, so what is the art museum doing wrong? Well, <laughs> the art museum in a lot of cases, and I should say there are a lot of, there are a lot of places that are doing a lot of things right, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are a lot of art museums where people really are trying to turn around ships that have been headed in one direction for a long time, or in the case of culturally specific museums like the NMMA, places that are actually doing a great job and have from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, but when you get um, sort of hi historically white, predominantly white, you know, art museums, and you look at their practice, it is about upholding this long history and not questioning what's going on. So a lot of times, what you need is for these institutions to take a close look at every facet of their operations um, from you know, hiring, support of staff, interpretation, collecting, really every part and say, okay, where is prejudice present here? Where is white supremacist uh, sort of thinking present here? And how can we revise this structure um, appropriately. And this is something I'm actively encouraging the Chicago History Museum to do right now, which is that's where I'm working right now, doing a curatorial project for them. And I, I realize they're not an art museum, but this is a process that a lot of different museums are going through and many, many more are avoiding. Um, the mass action museums as a site for social action has created a toolkit uh, that's free online that is available to help museums do precisely this project. Okay. And um, it is not a project with a finite endpoint. It's really about like a shifting way of life mm -hmm. for museum institutions. And so um, once you start like going down this rabbit hole and, and changing systems, changing policies and procedures, changing maybe mission statements, maybe big strategic plans, all of those things should be implicated. And they shouldn't just be implicated like 
during, let's say, the 24-month period where you're going through this mass action toolkit. They should be implicated down the road permanently. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a new lens for really like ongoing examination as we start a new project. Uh, how can we make sure that this project is inclusive? How can we make sure this project is accessible? Whose voices are in the project? Whose voices are not? Is that appropriate? Um, as we think about partners, like how do we determine who the partners are? Uh, all those, all those things are relevant. I apologize if that was a messy answer. Sounded <laughs> like a very tidy question. So you kind of answered my next question because I was going to ask you like what what can be done to change museums? Because like you said, you're someone who doesn't want to burn all museums to, to the ground, and I'm the same way. I do think that museums um, do have this opportunity to change. It's a matter of it actually being implemented and followed through. And like you said, not just like, oh, we're going to do this for a couple of years and then revert back. Um, yeah. I want to, I do want to address that question a little more specifically yeah. too, because I think that's so important that there are some specific steps that I just want to highlight, yeah, um, which is to say like, hire differently, mm -hmm. value expertise differently, mm -hmm. staff the board differently. So a lot of times the board is like this, um, excuse for not changing. Oh, the board wouldn't like that. Oh, there's resistance from the board. The board needs to be on board, right? Like the board needs to, um, if you're going to have an institution that is um, not even to say working for social justice, but that is anti-racist, mm -hmm. right? Or that is inclusive. Mm -hmm. uh, those things cannot fly under the radar. Um, those need to be accepted at the highest levels. Mm -hmm. So then it's about, you know, like I was saying, rewriting the governing rules, the vision, the strategic plan to make sure that those are on target with this agreed upon goal, whatever that may be, however big that may be for the institution. Um, reviewing and cleaning up those ins that institutional culture, the policies, the systems, and also, you know, collecting differently, interpreting and presenting differently in accordance with those same ideals. To top to bottom, side to side. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, it'll be interesting in the next few years to see kind of what's coming out of this moment right now because there have been a bunch of protests happening, especially in the city with regards to like the Whitney Museum of American Art, also the Museum of Modern Art, kind of all with um, this idea of like art activism and getting these institutions to recognize the ways in which their shows may even be harmful um, to some visitors. Uh, and my question for you is just, do you think that these protests and this sort of art activism is helping in a way? Because oftentimes there will be these protests and the museums release a statement like, oh, we acknowledge, we're sorry, and then that's kind of it. Yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> I definitely think that there is more of this sort of like posturing that attends scrutiny of a museum where the museum will do some lip service and um, you know, that's kind of it. Mm -hmm. And they hope that the attention goes away. But I don't think that means that the activism is misplaced or not working. Like I do think also that um, you know, protests of museums and activist efforts to, to change museums are absolutely working. Mm -hmm. Think about um, you know, the efforts of decolonize this place, for example, at you know, the American Museum of Natural History in New York, um, they successfully lobbied for some reinterpretation that did happen. Um, <clears throat> likewise, at the Whitney, you know, Warren Canders did resign 
after those protests in 2019. And I would say in my own tiny corner of the world, <laughs> um, you know, that's exactly what I'm dealing with in my projects that I'm working on. So <laughs> I'm curating uh, a project about, you know, the Latino third of Chicago, the Latinx third of Chicago. And it's a direct response to protests from high school students from a predominantly Latinx high school called Rudy Lozano High School or um, IJLA here in Chicago. And the students, you know, the students came into the museum, they saw that their entire set of communities that makes up a third of the city was not represented. They protested the museum and the museum, you know, to their credit said, we hear you, we want to work with you to like make a new project. What is it that you want? The students responded with desires to, you know, undertake this exhibition project. And here we are, you know, doing our very best to create it collaboratively with them and other mm -hmm. partners. So I don't want to say that would never have happened without the protests, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like on the horizon. Mm -hmm. So um, I absolutely encourage, I encourage protest. And I, and I also want to say, you know, the students and alumni who I'm working with on this project, mm -hmm. um, their resistance to the museum is going to form the center of the exhibition. And it's going to be a way of talking about we're really going to talk about resistance and about the way that their project has built on so many other resistance movements from within different Latinx communities in Chicago. And one of the things that I'd like visitors to come away with is a sense that um, if they are so inspired to make a difference in their community or in an institution in, in their area, they can. You know, it is change does happen when people come together yeah. and speak truth to power and you can make a change from within. I believe in change from within. I don't know if that makes me overly idealistic, but there you have it. I would be like devastated and too sad to work if I didn't believe in that. No, I definitely believe, yeah. When I've been like doing this project and kind of thinking about what I want to do like with my future and my career, like I so also so heavily believe that we can like we as a public those who want to see these institutions change can work together in some way to make these changes because the art museums museums in general are supposed to be for the people for the community it's how are these spaces going to be for the community if they're um, actively not and they're right. resisting what community voices and it's important to remember that any museum that takes any government money whatever whatsoever like state federal or local money, mm -hmm. those are taxpayer funded institutions. And those are institutions that belong to all of the folks yeah. in a given area, right? So um, it's not fair mm -hmm. to have a museum take federal dollars and then say, ah, but we're only gonna represent white Americans or yeah. we're only gonna represent you know, straight male Americans or whatever it is, um, mm -hmm. that's just not fair. And then just my last question for you today is what do you think the future of museums look like? Like I said, we're kind of going through this big moment of change. Um, so what do you think is gonna happen in the future with these institutions? Oh, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm an idealist at heart and mm -hmm. I'm an optimist. Mm -hmm. So I think that the future of museums, if museums indeed have a future, which I certainly hope that they do, I hope is, so too. <laughs> you know, black, brown and indigenous, just like the country's future, mm -hmm. I think that, the future of museums is less about ownership and less about objects and more about people and relationships. I think it's less about expertise 
uh, that is, you know, academic in nature and more about collaboration and lived experience. And I think that, um, I think history is going to bear me out here because if we look at the way that the nation is changing and we look at the way that our cities, you know, where we encounter a lot of the big art museums that we're talking about are, are changing, um, these spaces are not going to sustain exclusive, uh, you know, white patriarchal institutions. They're just not. Um, the, those institutions will absolutely 100% die out if they do not begin to speak to uh, a broader public. And mm -hmm. that's just sort of basic dollars and cents. That's not even on ethical grounds, which mm -hmm. of course like ethically, you know, we've already talked about that, but I think that we will see museums change. They have been changing for a very long time, but very, very slowly. Yeah. And I think we will see in the next 20 years that change pick up. Yeah. It's exciting. I hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. I hope, I hope in my lifetime, I'm able to see some of yeah. this change. And like you said, it is happening now. Um, so it will, it will be interesting to see kind of how these institutions progress into the future. Um, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your experiences and your thoughts with me. Um, I really appreciate it. It has been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.